0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. In my hands, no gifts I bring, only to my cross I claim. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. just couldn't help but say that again, huh? I want to uh, take some time out today. This is actually Quaggajensum Sunday, um, 50 days before Easter, um, the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. Uh, and I want to, as we uh, go into Lent and become... We we're prepared for the death and resurrection of Christ, his passion. Um, I want to talk about grace. And I want to talk about grace in terms of how it touches us, how it affects us in some kind of real way. And um, I'm going to say three things. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, I would have said four, but there were only three. Um, <laughs> so, an interesting thing about grace—just a factoid for you—but it's an interesting one, which is that Jesus doesn't talk about it. He lives it. He doesn't talk about it. Also, it's only in the Gospels four times, and all in this first part of John, where you know where he says. He, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. But then when you get to the letters of Paul and the, all the epistles, you, you hear it all, it's on every page practically. So people, you know, why? Why no talk of it in the Gospels, but all this talk of it in the letters? Well, that's, I think it's very obvious really. I, I, it's because Grace is not a transaction. It is, grace is Jesus. Jesus is grace. And and so he came full of grace and truth. He is grace. And if you're in the presence of grace, if grace is there where you can reach out and touch it, where it's talking to you, where it's visibly palpable to you, you're not going to talk about it. You're going to live it. You're going to absorb it. And if you're a fish, you're not going to talk. Well, fish don't talk. But if you were a fish and if you could talk, um, you wouldn't talk about water because it's where you live. Yeah? So that's why. Suddenly it becomes in the letters something to talk about because it becomes the experience of what had happened in Christ when Christ came. So I have three things to say about grace, um, and I think they'll be helpful. And just a little uh, thought about it. Uh, a friend of mine, a, a, a pastor, um, who um, said that he used to have a little uh, picture up on his wall and, when he was a little kid. And it said, my grace is sufficient for thee from my power is made perfect in weakness. You may know the quote from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. And um, he he found it very troubling and very confusing. My grace is sufficient for thee. Um, Because his mother's name was Grace. But I I think he came to know a bit about more. But we only will always know, remember, the fringe of it. Because grace is infinite. It's It's everything. It's absolutely everything. It takes up everything. So that's the first thing I want to say. Grace is love's preventing. Now, that's a quote from Psalm 59. The God of my mercy shall prevent me says the psalmist. But the word prevent in those days meant a different thing and if you look at the Hebrew, the, the Yahad me'ani, it means the grace, the God of my mercy shall um, come to meet me, shall come to, to, to be with me and meet me here. So God is at first the initiator always. It is our state of being are everything. So this is why in the scripture that we read from the Old Testament, Elisha is all absorbed in getting what Elijah has. Elisha says, oh, gotta, "I've got to have it because you're going to be dead, and I'm going to be left being the prophet. And you just made water part, and I'm not going to be able to do it. So you need to give me that power so that I can make the water part, so that I won't be an it, a complete idiot. Have right?" you need to show me how the oven works because soon you will be gone and I will have to turn it on. Um, so, so we understand where his head is at and, and my head has been in the same place and, and, and he's so absorbed in it, he's like, I'll go, listen, uh, 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 Elijah, I'll go wherever you, oh, are you going to leave? No, no, I'll go wherever you're going because he really wants this double portion. And he says, please give me a double portion of what you've got and Elijah teaches him the lesson of grace, the first lesson of grace, all throughout the Old Testament, really. The first lesson, which is watch me. And he watches Elijah and Elijah goes up in a whirlwind of fire and departs. And the message to Elisha is it was never Elijah's power. It was God's power through Elijah. And till Elisha knows this, he has nothing. But once he knows this, he has everything. And this is an enormous transformation that we make when we come to know God, that we start to see everything as being made by him ourselves, The, the spit that we have in our mouths, the touch of the pew every single thing, every bit of ourselves, our hearts beating. The God of my mercy shall prevent me. If you see me as I am taken from you, it will be granted. If you see that I depart and it's all God's power, you will have God. You can see that this confuses people. It, 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 I know that it confuses people. It seems like such a simple thing, you know. God, what Father Guido Sarducci knew it, you know. Who is God? God is everything. You know, we. I know, but I know people are confused because if you, you, they draw a line on a piece of paper, and they go, you know, this is my birth, and then I, well, I don't know, I got married and or I didn't and I had some kids or I didn't and I got a job or I didn't and I got sick or I didn't and then at the bottom it's I died. And then they ask the question, well, when did God meet you? When was God there for you? Um, when, When did you know God was there? And so they draw horizontal lines. God was here then and God was here this place and God was here this place. And of course, this is entirely ridiculous because God was there all the time. And as the great philosopher says, God is the piece of paper on which this is written. There was no time God was not there. God was never not there. You may have identified God at certain times. Your life is not that you were on a wrong train and now you're on the right train. You were always on the right train. You just didn't know you were. And now you know. And that is huge. That is enormous awareness. It's a huge thing to know that I was made by God. Now, you know um, that God created everything, that God is in everything, is also a huge loss of control, right? But it's an incredible awareness. This is God's preventing, the first message of grace. God also, grace is also, I would like to say, God's kindling Grace ignites love. It ignites love. And I think about a magnifying glass. If you remember in science class when you were given a magnifying glass, do you remember? And you could actually make something catch on fire and it would start to smoke up the science room, right? But actually, the most fun thing to do was first to make it heat your hand up. But then the second, third most fun thing to do, I think, actually most fun thing to do, is to shine it at your friends, back of their head until they go, you know, and they, right? But so think of grace. Grace is God's igniting. How does religious experience start? God does not need us to begin anything. Nothing is our idea. It's all God's work. It's not our search for God. It's the great hymn written by Jean Ingelow. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek him seeking me. It was not I that found Savior true. No, I was found of thee. You know, you can't tell somebody to love you. Well, of course, we've all done it. It's pathetic. You know, I don't know why you don't love me. You should, and it, and it. it, does, it never works. It's the pathetic scene in the movie, right? Um, why won't you be my friend? Charles Wesley's hymn, actually, it's uh, not Charles. It's uh, Sam, Samuel Wesley's hymn. Tis mercy all immense and free, for oh my God, he found out me. It's God's igniting us. And therefore, we are loved into loving. That wonderful song, You Made Me Love You. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. You know, and that, by the way, that was Al Jolson in 1913. Don't give it to Judy Garland. And so, Jesus has this command have faith. Trust me. Know me. Because faith is not an effort. It's a response to one who is worthy of it. And as we get to know the Lord, we start to realize that he's worthy of it. He's worthy of our faith. He comes through. And as we see that time and time again... We have more and more faith. We respond to his trustworthiness. And so in our gospel today, we hear the command so well read uh, by Nancy, this is my son. Listen to him. Trust him. Know him. You know, I say this to people sometimes, like, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now, if I say that about... um, what, I don't know, Um, something that I know how to do. Um, You might believe me. But I mean, if I said that about brain surgery, you might not think so. You trust me because you've seen me do something reliably, and so you continue to trust me. And God teaches us to trust him. He melts our hardness. He teaches us to repent. And we love because Christ first loved us. John Donne really says it. He's the best. He's always the best at saying everything, let's be honest. He has in his poem, it's a sonnet about holiness, and he writes, For if above all these my sins abound, Tis late to ask abundance of thy grace. When we are there, here on this lowly ground, teach me how to repent, for that's as good as if thou hadst sealed my pardon with thy blood. Or the song, I need thee every hour. In the women's Bible study, one of the women shared that she never expected these things she's reading in the Bible to be so useful to her, to change her, and that now she finds herself to be a different woman. And it's because she's gotten to know him through his word. She hasn't made any decisions. She's responded to the word. Or as Jim Monroe famously put it, our lovely pastor of years ago, getting to know God is open-heart surgery without anesthetic. God's kindling. And last... I have very little time, sorry, I'll go fast. Grace is love's gift. It's entirely a gift. You know, our wonderful musicians, I, I, I'm always astounded by them. You know, they lift us up, don't they, every week. St. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, get drunk on music. You know that? And, and, and Camel modulates on the second hymn before it communion, because he wants to get us off. That's what he's doing. I'm sorry, I have to give you away. Um, But that's all about helping us to dance in the spirit of that beautiful music. But the gift the musicians had, that started when they were little. Somebody said, you know, oh, your voice is beautiful. I love your voice. Or I love how you play. And they started to realize they had a gift but we place a demand on them. I mean, okay, show me your face when they sing a hymn you don't like. So we, we reject them and we criticize them because we place a demand on them, but they have a gift. And what their whole work is, is to know the demand, but to rely on the gift. You got it? to know the demand, and to rely on the gift. Grace is entirely love's gift. There's no demand that's not a gift. <laughs> you know, um, it, the really, uh, well, Jesus says it when he sends the disciples out. He says, he says uh, uh, freely you have received, freely give. When you've got it, give it away but the great thing to know is what Augustine taught us because he was desperate to control himself he was in a lot of trouble he had a little problem with sadly sleeping with people he wasn't supposed to and he said God set me on fire you demand continence. we know what that means Give me what you command and then command whatever you will. It's been simplified to be give what you command and then command whatever you will. The idea is you better give it to me and then I'll do it. You got it? Because grace is a gift. You got to give, you got to have it in order to be able to give it away. And so in this capital campaign, It's what we've been given that we're able to give away. That's the privilege of giving. And Henry Nouwen, when he went to see his dear friend who was dying, his dear friend said, what am I going to do? I'm dying. I'm stuck in this bed. All I am is trouble to everybody. All I am is a bag of needs, suffering, and crying out for help all the time. I can't give anybody anything. I can't make any money. I can't say anything witty because I'm half crazy. And and said, he said, you're the great theologian, you, ne- you know, and you need to tell me how to do this. And Nowen said, this last part is about you giving people the privilege of helping you, of serving you. How about that for a gift? So, that's it. Love's preventing. God is the creator of everything. God's kindling, God ignites love, God makes change, love's gift. We can only give away what we've been given and haven't we been given so very much. Loving you into loving, forgiving you into repentance, smiling you into smiling, gathering you into the very life of God. Or better said, To finish. Imagine for a minute Mr. Rogers and he's just about to walk out the door and say goodbye to us all and he's decided to summarize grace and he says you are a very special person there is only one like you in the whole world there has never been anyone do you believe this exactly like you before and there will never be again only you and people can like you exactly as you are Amen Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org/ give. Thank you for your support.